You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to Absolute Power. Uh, tonight's a real special night. <clears throat> Again, because we have with us one of the toughest, hardest players that I ever coached at the collegiate level, uh, outside linebacker for East Carolina University, Matt Semenza. And uh, Matt, I'm just uh, overjoyed to have you join the program tonight. Coach C, it's great to be with you, man. Anytime I get a chance to catch up with you, it's awesome. Uh, we have a lot of uh, ex- you know memories together now for what? 25 years, I guess. I can't even keep track of the years anymore. But uh, definitely looking forward to catching up with you tonight. I'm sure we'll have a lot of good stories. No doubt. Well, Matt, uh, you are from New Jersey. Uh, When I was at Bucknell University, one of my responsibilities, which was kind of crazy for a strength and conditioning coach, but I was the recruiting coordinator for wrestling. And I absolutely love to recruit New Jersey and sign kids from there uh, because not only was it a great state for wrestling, but uh, just the toughness and the hard-nosed component of those guys, you know, really reminded me, of course, of Pennsylvania, where I'm from. <clears throat> so I'm a little biased toward that whole area when it comes to high school and collegiate athletics as far as the, the passion that people have for athletics, uh, the willingness to work and sacrifice. And of course, uh, you exemplified all those qualities uh, in our time at ECU. And I fully expected that from you because I knew where you were from. So uh, along with the fact that you've got that Italian heritage as well. So that was another uh factor that I was, I was kind of biased toward, of course, because, you know, I grew up with a lot of Italian people in Western Pennsylvania, along with Polish people, Irish people, and a whole lot of other people from, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. All my family were coal miners. I think we've discussed that a little bit. Oh, yeah. But uh, love for you to tell us a little bit about New Jersey. Uh, you know, there's a lot of st- there are some stereotypes about New Jersey people. So let's talk a little bit about that and, and dispel the myths and, and <laughs> get down to the truth. So uh, tell, oh, yeah. tell me a little bit about Jersey. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of stereotypes and some of them we like, some of them we, we can't stand, you know, like the one we hate is that there was a show Jersey shore a few years back. Yeah. And uh, that, that show was just, that was not true New Jersey. That was like a bunch of like Staten Islanders or, you know, wherever they were from. I don't know, but they, uh, they kind of gave us a little bad rap there, but you know, like it's funny, you watch the show, the Sopranos and uh, there's a lot of New Jersey in that show. Some of it, you know, doesn't represent us well, but some of it is pretty accurate, (laughs) you know, Uh, but 
but honestly, New Jersey was a great place to grow up. It's, it, it is an awesome place to live. I think, you know, the Jersey shore, anybody who's ever been to like places like Long Beach Island and, you know, uh, Wildwood and places like that, it, it's just, it's an awesome place. And it, it sometimes gets a bad rap, but I, I get very defensive about New Jersey when people start to make fun of it and I, and I, and I defend it. Um, but it was, it was an awesome place to grow up. I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, tell me some good, tell me some things about your neighborhood growing up and maybe a little bit about, uh, your mentors for athletics and love to love to know more about your family growing up. Uh, let's go there for a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, my, my neighborhood was awesome growing up. Uh, you know, we, we lived outside coach. We were, we would go outside in the morning and we were outside all day getting into everything, um, every type of sport you can imagine. I mean, we had at any given time, there were 10 to 20 kids outside and, you know, we were always doing something like coming up with things, street hockey, you know, football, tackle football games, uh, basketball. We were riding our bikes everywhere. It was awesome. And like, that's actually where I really developed a love for football because we would get together in the neighborhood and there was a field down the street, like down on the corner of the street. And it was about 50 yards long. And we would get like 10, 15 of us down there and we would have tackle football games and, and we would just beat the hell out of each other, for, you know, from a young age. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. The kids in the neighborhood would organize it. You know, we didn't need our parents to to make phone calls and do all that stuff. Like we would organize this stuff and, you know, every day it was just something different, you know, and it was an awesome place to grow up. It really was. Uh, you know, I had I had a great childhood, but but my childhood was definitely outside. Like we were outside every day. And, um, you know, I think kind of like you, coach, I think one of the similarities we have is that both of our dads were high school football coaches. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my dad was a, a high school football coach for uh, 15 years or so. And, you know, a big part of my childhood was, you know, going to his practices at nights, you yeah. know, I would go, I would go the team. I was probably eight, nine years old, but the, the team would bring me in as one of them and they would make me run routes and, you know, they would get me involved and I had a blast and, you know, I, I was, I was at every game on the sideline and, in, in the locker room for pregame speeches. And I'm sure you can relate to this at nights. You know, my dad would be breaking down film, but it was like that. Oh, I guess it was like eight millimeter film, black and white. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 16 millimeter problem. 16 millimeter. And it would make that tick noise. Remember that tick noise? Oh. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> yeah. I heard that tick noise uh, many, many times. Yeah. I, I can still hear it in my sleep and, you know, but uh, it, it was awesome experience, like just growing up like that, having a dad as a as a coach. And, um, you know, I had I had an awesome, awesome parents. My mother was just, you know, incredibly supportive of, of everything I did. And, um, you know, my my dad was at times tough on me, like your dad was on you. But it was always to kind of bring the most out of me. And um, so, you know, life was life was great in New Jersey. I mean. Um, you know, just had, had an awesome experience, you know, from the time I was a little kid all the way up through high school and, um, you know, really, really enjoy looking back on that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, we, uh, 
my dad would take his team to camp up in the mountains in the middle of no man's land somewhere every year, put them on a bus and go three a days for about, it was, I know it was a good week. There was no escape. And, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I think I started to suit up in full pads for every practice uh, with the high school guys. Of course, they wouldn't let me hit with them, but I had to go through all the drills and just the whole mentality of it. I started to learn. And then, of course, I love going around hanging out with those guys in the cabins and so forth. Yeah. And uh, some of the things I was learning probably was not good as a fifth grader, but, uh, you know, I grew up fast, but I had to grow up fast in football too, you know, but, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you were exposed to, you were exposed to a lot of things at a young age that a lot of people didn't get until they were much older. So yeah, (laughs) you know, no (laughs) doubt about it. (laughs) Yeah. I got exposed to a lot of, uh, Uh, you know, curse uh, words being in that locker room at a young age that I hadn't, I hadn't heard before either, but, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, do I think there's a place for profanity in coaching? No, there shouldn't be, but you know, the way we grew up, it was there, you know, pretty much every day, all day. That was part of the deal. So uh, that's all I got to say about that. You know, (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of was part of it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, we uh, the coaches I had in high school were were pretty good about that. Like not, you know, not cursing yeah. too much. But, you know, you, if you're in that locker room, you know, you, you're going to hear it. So it's just kind of become numb to it. But, uh, you know, well, I'll sometimes, say it. it's, uh, un- it's, sometimes it's part of the passion for something, you know, and uh, that's about the best way you could describe it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, um, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up in an Italian household and a little bit about Italian cuisine. Oh yeah, well you know I don't know if you know I'm I cook I cook Italian food. I I pride myself I I'm serious I say I cook the best meatballs on the East Coast. And uh, I'm very proud of that, Coach. Very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I do like to cook and, but uh, I, the, my Italian heritage means a lot to me. Uh, you know, I, I had a, I guess you would say like the stereotypical grandmother, you know, my Nana, as yep. I called her, she was, I think she was about five foot one, but you didn't want to cross her. Like if you, if you got her mad, she would let you have it in a big way. Like I was scared at times, you know, uh, <laughs> what my little Nana might do. But uh, she was kind of the cook of the family, and you know she was always she was always in the kitchen. Um, and you know, a lot of times after school, I would actually ride my bike to her house. She lived like a mile down the road. I would hop on my bike, I would go to her house, and she'd have food cooked up for me. Um, so, like a lot of the things we did in our family, we would get together and have dinners and sit at the table for hours, and just you know, you would tell stories. Um, and a lot of those were Sunday dinners that, that were really, uh, meant a lot to me, that tradition, like the Sunday dinners, I, I wish that's something I could bring back, you know? Um, but, th- but those things were really important and, you know, just, just a lot of those things revolved around food, really good food. 
stories, you know, you would hear all the stories about, you know, the, uh, the great grandparents and the grandparents that migrated from Italy during that time. And, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of pride in, in our, uh, in our heritage. So it's definitely something that I've tried to kind of pass down to my kids as well. And, um, hopefully that's something they appreciate too. One of my best friends growing up, Andy Rattusi. I was just in his third wedding in Nashville. (laughs) Wow. He prides himself in making homemade ravioli. Nice. That's that's what he's into, and it it is incredible. Uh, I will attest to that. Uh, But Coach, I'll send you some meatballs. I'm going to pack them up. I'll send them down there. I I just got to figure out a way to get them to you, you know, so they're still good. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, – I, I hear that your mother is still famous for the sausage and peppers that you used to bring back from Jersey when you went home for a break. Absolutely. That You know. Yeah. I've heard mom, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm guessing Andrew Bays told you that because <laughs> – <laughs> He was a big fan of the sausage and peppers and uh, to the point where like he would ask me like when I would go home, he'd be like, man, can you can you have your mom whip up some some sausage and peppers and bring them back? So uh, she was she was very good, very good uh, at that. That was a kind of a staple in the household. So, uh, yeah, Bays loved that, man. He loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And Bays was uh, he was your roommate, right? He was my roommate. Uh, I think for, I guess, about a year and a half there uh, he was. And, you know, I probably drove him a little bit crazy at that time, you know, uh, you know, with because because that was actually the year I had I was finished playing football. So that was my fifth year at school. I was still finishing up academically, but he still had one more year of eligibility. So I was kind of making up for lost time doing some partying that year and, you know, enjoying the, uh, the life of just a regular college student, but he was still playing. So, uh, you know, I think he had to deal with that a little bit. Some, some late nights with me coming in, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it worked out for both of us. Right. Well, I did hear the story about when you were all prepared to have a night to yourself and you had all your food laid out and you, you had the, I guess maybe you're going to watch a game and you, you went to the kitchen and, and the dog, Andrew's dog ate all your food. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't too happy about that. I'll tell you that, man. I, I had a little spread laid out. He got this dog. It was a lab. It was a, it was a, a chocolate lab. Yeah. And uh man, this 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 dog is a great dog, but it, it ate everything in the house. I mean everything, the couch, the cushions, the pillows, and then it started eating my food, uh, which you know that 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 was just one of those things. But uh yeah, yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> Good stuff, <laughs> you know, man. <clears throat> we, I'll tell you one other story, coach, where me and Bays live together that was is really kind of interesting. Uh he he had gone uh, home with his girlfriend uh, one night, and so it was just a regular night. You know, I I went to bed, I was asleep, and uh, he came back early the next morning. And he, I hear him like knocking on my door. I'm like, "What's up?" And he's like, "Did you have a party here last night?" 
He's like, did you have a party last night? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? I just went to bed. Like, you're just waking me up now. He's like, the house is ransacked. So I'm like, what are you talking about, man? So I get up out of bed. Turns out in the middle of the night, the house had been robbed. Wow. Um, I had stuff missing from my bedroom. Whoever robbed the house came into the bedroom and took money off my desk. While I was asleep, I had no idea. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things that sticks out. Like, I'll never forget him saying, coming in saying, did you have a party? No, I didn't have a party. Somebody ransacked the house in the middle of the night. So, yeah, that was uh, that was over at, if you remember, Tar River Apartments that are, I think they're no longer there because the hurricane wiped them out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yep. Just another story from Greenville. Well, I have one parallel there myself. Uh, George Coons got me tickets to the Super Bowl. I went down, you know, and hung out. And uh, as I was staying, I woke up in the middle of the night. There was uh, someone in the room, and uh, I jumped out of the bed, and they sprinted out the door. But, uh, yeah, they got my watch, uh, and that watch was right by my head, you know, on the wow. stand. So, yeah, scary stuff. But Absolutely, yeah. It was, I'm glad I lived to tell about it. Seriously, seriously. I always yeah. say if I if I woke up, that guy might, might not have lived to tell about it. Yeah, well <laughs> – I, I didn't even, I mean, like, I didn't even know what was going on. You know, first, you, first you wake up, it's a foreign place. So you don't even know where you're, where you're at. First of all, you know, you think right. you're back home. And then of course, you know, we had been uh super bowling it all day. So, you know, you're tired, but yeah, that was a frightening experience thinking back on it. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about your high school playing career and uh, up at ECU. Yeah, so uh, I went to a, a high school called Raritan High School in New Jersey, and um, really had a really had a great time. We historically had a, a very, I would say, a down program for several years before I got there. And my freshman year, we brought in a new head coach. His name was George Tardif, uh, a guy who had a big big impact on my life, and he was uh, he was an old school guy from Jersey City. He grew up, he grew up very hard. Uh, and he, 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 he basically, when he came into the program, he wanted to put his stamp on it. And so his big thing was like instilling old school values, you know, just, just little things. Like when you shake somebody's hand, you, you know, you, you shake it firm and you stare them in the eye. Yeah. Um, he, he taught us how to be, how to be men. And you know, he did a great job with that program. And within two years, I mean, by my sophomore year, we were back to respectability. And by my junior year, we were in the state playoffs. I mean, he just, he just did an awesome job. So I had a great experience in high school and uh, had an awesome defensive coordinator by the name of Joe Barth, who I still talk to to this day. And uh, he was, he was awesome to play for because you know, like when things would break down, I'd, I'd come off the sideline and be like, Coach, you know, what do you want to do? He'd be like, just go kill the quarterback. Just go kill the quarterback. I'd be like, all right, I'll go try to kill the quarterback, Coach. So, you know, like I had free reign to just go play football. And yeah. it was awesome. It, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I played basketball too. I, basketball was actually my first love. I mean, I, I loved basketball. And, uh, 
had, had some great times there. And uh, so I played football, basketball, also did some track, um, which my, my, my dad, I always joke around with him to this day. He forced me to do track, which was smart. At the time, I didn't appreciate it, but he, he wanted me to work on speed and, uh, you know, conditioning. So uh, I was doing track as well. But, uh, yeah, high, sc- high school was awesome. And, you know, it was interesting at that time, East Carolina, who, you know, growing up in New Jersey, I really wasn't familiar with East Carolina. I, I mean, I had heard of it and I knew that, you know, so this was 1993, my senior year. I knew two years before they had, that was the year, the Peach Bowl team. And uh, that, you know, you were obviously there and I and I had heard about it, but I wasn't too familiar with it. And it turned out that East Carolina was recruiting New Jersey really heavily my junior and senior year. And um, Coach Doug Martin was actually that was his territory, New Jersey. And he was recruiting a bunch of guys that, you know, Pirate fans will know guys like Scott Harley and uh, Danny Gonzalez. Um, to name a few. And I mean, there were so many um, that came, Dion McKeithen and, and Shep Sapaniak and myself. I mean, there were a bunch of us that were getting recruited from New Jersey at that time. And, um, you know, I kind of hit it off with, with Doug Martin pretty quick. And um, that was kind of like what opened my eyes to, to East Carolina. And at that time I was like, I don't know if I want to go South. I, I was like, you know, I knew New Jersey. That's what I knew. I knew the Northeast and wasn't really too keen on, on going that far away. But, you know, he asked me to come down on a recruiting visit and, you know, I loved it. And, uh, yes. and that, that was, that was history. You know, that's kind of how it all went down. You know, Doug did a great job bringing some quality guys down from that area. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I was kind of wondering maybe about, uh, you know, everybody can recognize your great passion still for the program. Hmm. And uh, because you are still heavily involved and have been following this program relentlessly since you graduated from everything that I've seen. And, uh, you know, that, that type of commitment to the program and, uh, I guess you could say a, a fanatical interest. Uh, talk about that a little bit. How did you develop a fanatical interest in the program? Um, what was it about it uh, that caused you to care about it so much uh, at this point? You know, how many years later? Yeah. Well, to be honest, Coach, you you had a ton to do with that because – you know, what we went through as players at East Carolina, I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't for everybody. It was a blue collar program where, you know, you had to roll up your sleeves every day, every day. I mean, there were no off days and there was no, uh, nothing was given to you for sure. I mean, you had to earn everything you got. So, you know, we, we, you and I, and, you know, other players, I mean, we invested so much, of our lives into that, into that program, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and, um, a lot of passion. So that it's kind of ingrained in, in my personality and, and who I am. I just, I just have a love for that place. I think, I think it's a special place. You know, I think, um, 
I always, I, one of the things I always liked about that school and, and Greenville is like just that blue collar mentality where you kind of have to fight for everything you get. And, um, always, always enjoyed that part of it and always appreciated the passion around that program that the fan base had, which is really, I don't think a lot of people realize how unique it is. You know, I mean, people down there love East Carolina. They love it. Um, and that's not common everywhere you go. It's really, especially in the Northeast, you know, I'm, I'm 20 minutes from UConn and, I mean, UConn basketball is fantastic, but in terms of football, nobody really loses sleep over it. You know, you don't really hear a lot about it, but you know, when you get into Eastern North Carolina, it's ECU and um, there's a love for it. So I just, I kind of soaked that all up and um, all those experiences, you know, I just, I just have a love for the place and, um, and for college football. So all these years later, it's still ingrained in me. I mean, I, I just really enjoy following the program. I, I, I like to talk. I love to talk about football. You know, I could talk about football all day long. I love the X's and O's and just, just watching programs build. And um, so, you know, there are some days where I wish I wasn't so into it. Like, you know, Saturday night I was, when we lost that game, I wasn't in the greatest mood still, which, you know, it's kind of crazy all these years later, yeah. but you know, I think that's probably something that's going to be with me and, you know, probably for the next 30 years too. Um, well, so. I'm right there with you, man, because you know, I always been nuts about football and uh, you know, I only knew how to be committed one way and that was the only way. And that's uh, when I played in college and I talked to my college coach, you know, an hour ago, uh, on my way, you know, home from Raleigh, uh, talk to him how many years later now, you know, I graduated in 79, 80, right in there. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I was just completely nuts about football. I loved where I played in college. Uh, when I got to, to ECU, what I recognized was this place, you know, we got a lot to do here. We got the beach, we got warm weather, but the mentality is the same way that I grew up in Western PA and yep. uh, I wanted to, to foster that, build that even more and bring that to ECU, you know, at the highest level I possibly could from, from my experience growing up and my experience in college. And that's what I had hoped to do. And, uh, you know, and, and I feel good about that, you know, because we had a lot of success. And the guys work really hard in the offseason. Uh, <clears throat> there's no doubt in my mind that every was in the, and, uh, you know, everybody was willing to make the commitment. But I related to guys like you so much because I knew where you were from. It was a similar place that I had come from. And, uh, you know, we love this stuff, man. So uh, that, that's why, you know. When I retired, I'm like, okay, where am I going to live? Well, I, I could go to the beach. I got a house there. Uh, I could have moved somewhere else, I guess, and stayed in the profession a few more years. Or, you know, Coach Fleming, of course, offered me a job up there at Rhode Island, and I would love to uh, hung out with Flem a few more years. But, you know, it was time for me to get out. And uh, But I, 
you know, that's that's the way I think about it is that all those things that we treasured growing up and was were important to us. Uh, you know, we, we found that here. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I don't forget. And, and I don't forget guys like you who are in the program who felt the same way and still feel the same way about the program. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, you, you know, your, your program was, I always say like, it took a lot to, to make it through. I mean, it was a tough program. Um, and people, a lot of times, like over the years, it's funny, people ask me, what was it like to play for coach Connors, you know, and you know, what, what, what you know, what was it like? And I always say, you know, f- physically it was the toughest thing I've ever done in my life physically. I mean, we went through some intense workouts. Like I said earlier, there was no entitlement. It was, you show up every day and you work your ass off. And, you know, but I, I always say to people too, I say in some respects, playing for coach Connors, what for me was, you know, in, in some ways from an expectation standpoint, easy, because I knew what your expectations were as a coach, your expectations were you show up on time, you work your ass off, you show up every day, you try to get better every day. And I, you know, those were things I had no problem doing. So, you know, we, we got along great. I think in four years, I, I don't think you ever, I, this is like a, a, a badge of honor. You don't, I don't think you ever yelled at me one time, man, four years. <laughs> I can't remember ever you being in any punishment group or any of the morning conditioning group, whatever we want to call it, breakfast club or whatever. We, I had guys out there at three o'clock in the morning many times. You can't do that now, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember any of that where you were concerned. Uh, you were one of the guys as a senior, uh, kind of like Jeff Carr, you know, you were, you were coaches, you know, in the off season. That's why I looked at you guys. Uh, you know, you, you made other people accountable, which made my job easier. So uh, it was great. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So with regard to your profession now, do you, you feel like you take these intrinsic qualities to the workplace? Tell me a little bit about your job and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I work for a company called Align Technology, which is actually headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina, right up the road. And uh, you're familiar with Invisalign, which is a clear aligner system, uh, yeah. similar, similar most people know as braces, but... Invisalign is a uh, it's a global product. It's a huge scale. And so I'm a territory manager there uh, in Connecticut now is where I live. I've been here for 15 years. And um, so I manage about 70 accounts um, and I'm responsible for, you know, pretty much everything within those accounts from, uh, you know, sales growth to helping them, helping those accounts with revenue growth, uh, marketing, you know, uh, you know, education, product education. So it's a very intense job. And, you know, one of the reasons why I got into that profession is because there's a competitive nature to it. Yeah. Um, and because you're similar to football, you have, there are expectations with numbers and sales growth. So there is a competitive nature to it. And so that's something I've been able to bring into that profession is you know just um you know that competitive nature in terms of like growing business and uh 
you know, just in terms of like, just, you know, you have to work hard, you have to work hard, you know, nothing's given to you. You have to be able to be accountable and all those things. So there's, there, there are things I pull every day in my life from my experiences um, in college going through, you know, the, the football program at East Carolina. Um, So it's, and I'm, and I'm sure just about everybody who went through that program will, will tell you the same thing. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. And I think everybody learned uh, a lot of valuable leadership principles from coach Logan and coach Logan. uh, I'm so thankful that he gave me carte blanche when I was there. He just turned me loose. Let me do what I wanted to do, say what I wanted to say. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, can't tell you how enjoyable that was to have that freedom, you know, within a program. And, uh, you know, I I really was very, very loyal and and dedicated to him for that reason, you know, and, uh, you know, he, there's a reason that he is the, you know, the most winning, winningest coach in the history of East Carolina University, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we had a special group of coaches at that time, you know, like, you think right. about all the coaches who at that time were young assistants who went on to become head coaches at other places um, right. and then coach in the NFL too. I mean, we had a ton of guys that yeah. were, that was, that. I'm, 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 if I'm trying to remember back, but I'm assuming that was like, you know, one of their first or second jobs early in their career. And they were able to parlay that into, you know, many things like I Chuck Pagano comes to the top of my head. Yep. Had a ton of success in the NFL. And um, so, so many guys like that, you know, Jeff Jagosinski, who became the head coach at Boston college and coach Logan went with him and they had yep. a lot of success up there. And, you know, you, what you follow that program, it's it really hasn't had much success since then. It's kind of been very up and down. So, You know, we definitely had good coaches, young, hungry, who were on the way up, you know, on the way up. And it was it made for a great program. No doubt. Ton of them, a ton of more successful at at the highest level. Uh, So. Give us one of your uh, maybe your your best times that you remember, you know, what, what was uh, one of your favorite days, favorite nights, whatever. Well, I would say like my, my favorite football experience was um, 1996, I guess in the orange bowl. Yeah. And we went down to play Miami and um, what would I remember really clearly about that night was, walking into that old orange bowl and that was a historic place. You know, there's super bowls were played there. Yep. That was the Joe Namath when he, when he, when the jets beat the Colts Remember, he walked off the field doing this, waving that finger. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, that, and then you look up at the scoreboard and you see all the national championships for Miami. And here we were, you know, from a national perspective, Little little old East Carolina, who we were a major underdog that night, and nobody really gave us a chance to do much. And but we knew 
in that locker room, we had a special group of guys, you know, we, we felt very, we always felt like we had a chance to win and we just kicked their ass that night all yeah. over the field for four quarters to, and to the point where, you know, we really called off the dogs in the fourth quarter. And I'll never forget it. One Miami players became so frustrated that night. One of the, it was the center. I won't mention his name because I don't want to get, but he, he actually spit in my face after a play. He spit in my face and um, for, for no reason, you know, other than I just was in on a tackle and, yeah. You know, he was frustrated, but I loved it. I loved every second of it because that just showed me that we were getting the best of him. And, um, and, and that was an awesome feeling. Like there was, there was, that was a good time. That was a great experience. So I, that, that jumps out. I'm sure, I'm sure you have great memories of that night too. Well, I'm looking this way right here and I got the game ball sitting right here, 31 to six. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> It was definitely a special night for me. Uh, yeah, that was one of the great ones. Well, I'm sure from as a strength and conditioning coach to see your team be that physical and to, and to dominate in the trenches like that yeah. had to be a great feeling for you because, I mean, there, there was no doubt that night. Um, and, and, you know, the week before was a Thursday night game against Southern Mississippi – against Southern Mississippi where we did not play well at yeah. all. Yep. Um, and, and in oh. that week, that was a long week of practice. We, we were challenged big time, um, big time mentally yeah. and physically. And to be able to respond to, you know, to, to have that turn of events within 10 days where you get beat pretty bad at home on a Thursday night ESPN game to Southern Miss to be able to go back down against a top 10 team and beat them like that. You don't see that very often in college football. Rarely. So that, that was a, that was a special thing that, you know, I'll never forget. We had some great play. We had great players that were on fire that night. You know, I was just very fortunate to be a part of that team with that group of guys who, um, and we just had, we had really good players. Darren Hart, had a, had a tremendous game that night. Um, I feel like he must have had an interception. A few he forced a fumble. He recovered a fumble. Probably had ten tackles. I mean, it was just one of those nights. Well, the Hart brothers. Uh, you talk about exemplifying overachievement. Uh, you talking about guys that were five foot nine, not extremely fast. Uh, guys were ballers, man. They just, they were tough. They were sure tacklers. They understood the game. They studied the game. They didn't make any mistakes. And, uh, you know, you could count on them uh, to be where they were supposed to be making with their alignment, assignment responsibilities. That's what I, that's what I remember about those guys. I mean, uh, they made up for not being six foot two and running a four four. I mean, uh, with their with their <laughs> with their toughness and their dedication to the game of football and exemplified everything that East Carolina was about. Well, with, you could talk talk about chip on shoulder, whatever you want to talk about. So uh, you know, I got uh, 
I got their pictures in my garage. I got your picture in my garage. I got about 90 of them in there. But, but yeah, <laughs> I like sitting up there and <clears throat> during my workout looking at you guys. That's awesome. So let's yeah. Talk, yeah. Let's talk about uh, your family, your kids, what they're doing now. Yeah, I'm you know, very fortunate. I have a great family. Uh, my wife works for Mass Mutual and uh, very has had a very successful career for you know, many years. And, you know, we're fortunate to have two great kids. I have, uh, my daughter Avery, who is now a senior in high school, which is like just blowing my mind that this is her last year at home. Yeah. You know, so we're doing all those looking into college visits and, um, college tours. And it's just, it's amazing how fast it goes. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with that a little bit. Uh, cause I'm not ready for her to leave the house yet. And then I have my son chase who is now, uh, a freshman. He's in his freshman year at, uh, Xavier high school here in Connecticut. And he's a, uh, he's a baseball player and a basketball player. And, um, he he's in terms of sports, he's pretty much my mini me. I mean, he loves his sports. Um, he, he has very high hopes, aspirations of playing, uh, major division one, uh, baseball in college. That's, that's his goal. And he works really hard at it. And, uh, you know, my daughter's doing great academically and she's a dancer. So really proud of our, you know, me and my wife are very proud of our two kids. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm very fortunate in that regard. That's awesome. Uh, glad, really glad to hear they're doing well. And, uh, I want to now kind of get to the subject at hand. So uh, let's let's just talk a little bit about ECU football. And, uh, you know, give me your thoughts about the game this past week and uh, moving into App State. Uh, a few of your thoughts about the team and uh, what you observed. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, well, I mean, when I – my big thing about this team coming into this year was I, I I looked at the first four games and I really felt like coming out of the first four, we had to be at worst two and two. That was kind of what I anticipated at worst. You know, I figured if you could come out at best, if you come out of that three and one, you're in great shape for the season, but this is a young team. It, it actually reminds me a little bit about our 97 team. Um, because in 96, we had lost, we graduated so many great players. Yeah. And in 97, we had a lot of turnover. So there were a lot of new faces. Um, and it took several games to kind of find our footing that year. And I, I kind of see this team the same way. But I, my goal for this team was to come out two and two in the first four. I thought last week was a bad loss at home. Uh, I thought that Marshall game was a game we should have won. Um, it, it was just – it was pretty ugly from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, and this is this is a team that's going through a lot of growing pains right now at quarterback. Um, just just not have the, the experience right now um, at that position. And then you have a lot of new faces on the offensive line and at wide receiver. So the offense right now I think is – you know, you look defensively, you feel pretty good about where we are, especially the front seven and their ability to stop the run very impressed with that, but offensively right now, we're really struggling. And, 
If they're going to win this week at App, they better fix it in a hurry because this App team is no joke. And they, you know, especially at home, um, and they have a really good system in place there that they've had for many years that I actually really love their offensive system with they run a lot of that, you know, outside zone stretch and they get that going and then they start working play action yeah. off of that and then they can go over the top. And it's really it's a fun offense to watch. And so we better be prepared this week. And, you know, I think do I think it's a winnable game? Absolutely. I, I always feel like every yeah. game is winnable, but East Carolina is going to have to make some changes this week offensively. And I think one of those might be try Flynn at quarterback and give him a look um, and see if you can get something going at that position. Well, you know, Dwayne Ledford uh, was at App State and he's he's running that stretch, you know, with the Falcons now. Stretch and the stretch cut back and, you know, all the things you do off of that, but uh, I, I watched them play the other day, and that you know his line looked really good, and they got some uh, a couple. I think they got a new running back, but uh, that running game looked really good with the Falcons the other day. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm familiar with that stretch play and uh, Butch Davis's first year. Uh, NC State was running that; and he didn't have an answer to it, uh, either. So, uh, that's an interesting system. Yeah, I, I defer any criticism of uh, you know of anything at ECU. I mean, I I just keep it positive. You know, I've coaching there for eighteen years. I'm not going to criticize anything. Basically, uh, all I have to say is the you know I, I really respect the defensive coordinator. Um, I think he's done a great job since he's been here. Um, if you're going to beat East Carolina, you're probably not going to beat East Carolina running the football mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they're gap sound, they're aggressive, they've recruited well on that side of the ball. You know, they lost a, a few guys over the years that I thought that uh, actually Mo rec- that had signed that were pretty good defensive players. And, uh, but actually, I- there's, there were a number of players that he signed that were still contributing, I thought, even up to last year. Um, but, um, you know, I, I look forward to it. I like watching the defense. I like the fact that they stopped the run. And uh, I like the way they kind of exotically, you know, put pressure on the quarterback. So uh, um, I hope they continue to do that. And, you know, the offense – Probably it needs to be more productive, keeping the defense off the field. Uh, I was at the game, of course, and it was a little surprising to me, you know, kind of after that, the trick play, you know, the double pass, which that's one of the things that I guess that you're subjected to when you, you're you going to stuff the run and, and basically have that type of approach with put pressure on the quarterback, you're susceptible to the big uh, from time to time. But uh, things kind of fell apart really quick. Um, so I guess that was kind of my main concern is, you know, uh, uh, I just looking toward the future games, you know, you, you just can't let that happen. So uh, – 
Yeah, it was frustrating. I about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I think about it from this perspective, Coach. Like we're in the fourth quarter at the beginning, we were up thirteen to ten, and we had the ball in plus territory down to I think we were on like the twenty eight yeah. yard line. And at that point, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if we score a touchdown here, we we have a chance to kind of, you know, put them away a little bit. Like that's that yeah. was what I was thinking there, and. And then it just everything went wrong from there. Penalties, um, just play like just lack of execution. I thought, um, and, and it just went out. It just I, it's you know rare. Like you don't see very many games where they have a swing like that where you're up three and then you give up three touchdowns. You know, in a span of five minutes, and it just fell apart. So uh, it was frustrating. Um, I think. I think they have a lot of things, you know, to clean up and practice this week. And I'm just hoping for the best, you know, I'm hoping that, yeah, they can, you know, they can get that offense moving in the right direction and, and go up to app and beat them. Well, you know, I coached also with Alan Mogridge at Carolina. Uh, we were on that staff together. Okay. And, uh, I've always had a lot of respect for him. You know, he's, he's just tough. Who uh, is very dedicated and uh, hardworking, and uh, you know all those types of qualities. He'd come in the weight room and work out himself quite a bit, and uh, so I, you know I, I I like that. I think he'll do a great job. Uh, I you know I, I don't know anything about the talent level right now up front. These guys look like they got pretty good size and they got some depth, uh, which is something that was. Uh, you know, the recruiting there was lacking uh, during the, the Mo years. You know, and I, I will say that because uh, didn't have much depth and, uh, you know, did, did not have a lot of great talent there either. So uh, most of the – I think the focus was on the recruiting skill players. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't – I'm not going to criticize that either because, you know, that's kind of exactly what, what's happening in Colorado. If you look at the skill players right now, I mean, uh, they're off the chart, you know, and he's getting a little bit of criticism. Hey, you know, are, are your linemen as good as your skill players? And then his answer is they come and don't worry about it. So, uh, you know, but I think his linemen are doing a pretty good job too. Man. So, uh, yeah. I was, I was really impressed with, with, Watching Colorado the other day against Nebraska, um, I like I like their system a lot. What they're doing offensively, yeah, um, kind of reminded me a little bit about like when Art Bryles was down at Baylor. He would spread the field so wide, the receivers are almost touching both sidelines. I mean, they're split out as far as you can go, and it just creates so much stress on the defense. It spreads you out, and then with that quarterback Shador Sanders you know, his ability to run, it opens up lanes for him up the middle. And uh, I really like that system. Dion, he's got it going, man. You got it. Yeah. The future is bright in Colorado. And and how awesome is that stadium? Did you, have you ever been yeah. out there oh, with the mountains in the background? That, that place I, looked amazing. I haven't been there. I've been to some other places in Colorado, but I've never been that stadium. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, they got it rolling. Uh, so, uh, Got a couple more minutes here, but we're going to wrap, be wrapping it up. And uh, so uh, at this point in the season, 
how, you know, just tell me what you think about the rest of the season. I saw where Russell, which was kind of shocking. Uh, you know, what are some of the things, in your opinion, that East Carolina's got to do to, to, to win enough games to go to a bowl this year? Yeah, I think I think they got to – the biggest thing I see is they need to sort this quarterback situation out. And, um, you know, I, I just – you know, I think if it is if it is Mason Garcia, I think we need to play to his strengths a little bit. And, you know, by all accounts, he's got a very strong arm. So I think we need to use that arm a little bit and stretch the field and start throwing some deep balls and putting some pressure on defenses. Um and if it's Flynn, you know, to me, I thought he looked very comfortable out there. Yeah. So I, I think I, I have a feeling he's going to get to start this week. But I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, we got to start running the football a little bit, too. You yeah. know, um, it's just we're just not running the football. And so I think I just think it's going to come down to offensive execution. You know, got to find a way to score some points because – Man, in this in this modern college football, like you can play great defense, great defense, and still give up thirty points, because uh, offensively the, the coordinators are so dynamic now with up tempo and the plays they're calling. Um, so you have to be able to score points now, and so I think that's the biggest thing to look for here. And you know, I feel like from a talent perspective, we get, we definitely have enough talent to win six games and get into a bowl game. Yeah, um, but it, it's you know, missed opportunity last week at home against Marshall, I thought. And now, you know, you, you, you better be competitive this week and then you better be Gardner-Webb in, in two weeks to get, you know, really get things going. So, I mean, it's uh, – it's it's I think this team, like, they're going to have to earn everything they get. You know, it's I don't think anything's going to be real easy this yeah. year. But – uh but let me just say, Coach, let me back up for a second, man. It's it's uh, just want to tell you it's awesome to be with you. Um, you know I have a ton of respect for you. You had a, you had a big time influence on my life, and uh, from from a young age, you know, I came to East Carolina at seventeen. So uh, you know, going through your yeah. program for four years was awesome. A lot of great memories. Uh, some of my favorite memories with you are pregame. Pre-game, some of those pre-game speeches you gave, uh, you know, they got pretty intense, man. How about the time you brought in boxers into the locker room? Yeah, we uh, well, it, it really was a unique responsibility that I fell into Friday night. Uh, the Friday night talk, you know, I was kind of the maniac on staff, and so you know, I think. Uh, I, you know, I, I talked in the locker room one day after we were out there running or something one day talking about how, you know, we were being disrespected or whatever it was. And then uh, Damon Wilson and Junior, I think, said, hey, we'd like Coach Connors to talk to us on Fridays or whatever it was. And I, you know, and, and I and I agreed to do it. But I, I didn't know it was going to last, you know, like I did it for like three or four years because you start running out of things to talk about. And yeah. then, you get enough ability during the week, but then uh, to have that as well. But uh, I put some movies together. Uh, I brought in Pat Dye. I brought in a bunch of military people. Uh, um, you know, we, uh, 
we had the fighters, we had the martial arts people. Uh, Master Lee came in at one time. The first thing he did was jumped up and kicked the ceiling. He's about five foot five, so that was pretty impressive. Wow. And uh, yeah, we had a lot, a lot of good stories from the pregame stuff. And uh, a few you know, broken VCRs. Coach Logan was really ahead of his time as far as giving the strength coach responsibility and more of a role in the program, kind of like a coordinator. That's everywhere now. I mean, uh, Mickey Marotti at Ohio State makes 900000 a year. My old GA and coach Jay Butler is making five hundred at Rutgers. Good for him. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's what it is now. You know, people have come to understand that the strength coach is with these guys all year round, has a tremendous amount of influence. You need to have a great person with influence in that position who can relate to people and motivate people. And, you know, it's a lot different now. You can't do what you used to do. I I couldn't run the 300s I used to run, you know, uh, at the level I ran them at now. And uh, But whether it's 300s or whatever, you got to have something in your program and there, there are scientific – I'm not going to get into this now, but there are scientific reasons that I ran those, you know, from mm. a conditioning standpoint. When you develop certain energy systems at a certain level, you're going to recover quick, more, more readily between short bouts of activity as well. And the thing about it is, is when you go to this hurry-up offense now, 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 and you're going to put that pressure on your DBs, for instance, who don't substitute that much – the DBs better be in better shape than anybody else out there. And so you better have some kind of plan in in position for those guys to be able to perform. So, I mean, I can go about this, you know, talk about this all night as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know two hours, right? get off on that tangent. But, uh, but, yeah, I really appreciated the fact that Steve – you know, gave me more of an opportunity to have influence in the program. And, and, and I, you know, because of that, I, I think that, uh, and that was really tough for me to leave Steve when I had that other opportunity, but there were a lot of reasons going on there as well, because, uh, you know, he had the, the relationship between him and the AD, which was kind of falling for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I wanted to to make sure my family was taken care of. And, you know, and then, then the same thing happened to Carolina after being there 10 years, you know, uh, things were falling out of, out of, out of shape. Yeah, Butch Davis was winning games, but uh, there were some issues about discipline and some of the things were happening. And, you know, so I escaped that whole deal as well and uh, was happy to come back to ECU and, and escape the grim reaper once again. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was very important, very fortunate to survive seven head coaches. Yeah, no doubt. It's a heck I don't of a know career, many like- other strength coaches who have done that and kept the same paycheck. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm very happy to say that, but uh, I, you know, I I can't you say enough North Carolina from, too, about my respect. Yeah, like your your yeah. career is it, like you the way you were able to stay in North Carolina is unique too because. A lot of coaches kind of get pushed all over the country, and that's got to be tough on a family. That's pretty cool that you got to coach in North <laughs> <Yeah>. Carolina. <laughs> well, John John Bunning got fired, 
you know, I, I didn't know what my destiny was. Butch Davis had offered me the Miami job previously, and I had turned it down. Butch Davis was coming into Carolina. I'm thinking, well, he's not going to retain me. I turned him down at Miami. But Pagano was coming in with him, and I was cl- still close with Pagano. And so Pagano had the had basically influenced Butch to keep me. But when Butch came in, every week it was like American Idol. You didn't know what coach was leaving next. You know, he's every week. So I didn't know if he was going to fire me. So Jeff Jagosinski offered me the BC job. Butch calls me in. Hey, do you want to go to BC? I'm like, no, not particularly. I want to stay here and watch my son play football. And uh, he goes, well, I was planning on keeping you here. I was here, but uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so that's, how that that's how that went. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciated it, but, uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for those compliments. I appreciate that. Yeah, so no we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up and, uh, you know, we'll get fired up about this week and see what happens. Uh, I'm sure ECU is going to go up there and play physical, a physical brand of football and try to regroup and, and get, get some things rolling. So, uh, I wish them all the good fortune in the world. So, uh, uh, we'll go ahead and sign it off. Thanks for coming on the show, Matt. I'm sure we'll be talking sometime soon. And this is Jeff Connor signing off uh, with, uh, from Absolute Empowerment. Uh, God bless, and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Coach. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show and go Pirates! Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.